Hey everybody, I'm Anna McEwen. And now for Bob Switzer with the epic narrative. <laughs> Welcome back. This is uh, this is kind of a fun uh, fun run, right? We're we're getting into we're getting into probably the more familiar aspects of this story when it comes to the book of Exodus. We are looking at chapter 5 of the book of Exodus. We're just, I don't think we're going to get far. Uh, I'm hoping to cover the first, I don't know, four or five verses, but but I think it's important, again, as always, to kind of stretch this out and really kind of give nuances to the things that were seen and possibly felt and heard in the, in our various characters' uh, lives. So here we have, uh, it's at verse one. It says, "Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh." So after what? Again, this is a time concept. We don't know how much time. We assume generally it's assumed, which I know is dangerous, but it's assumed that this is done the next day. The next day after a night of. I think would uh, what would have been um, hope-filled anticipation and excitement, uh, just just amazing uh, presence of God, uh, uh, prophetic words, constant um, laughter, and just I mean I mean the thankfulness and gratefulness that they've survived this long. There had to be so much going on, and I'm sure Moses in Moses's mind. You know, if if he even went to sleep, he got up the next day and he thought, man, what an amazing night. You know, when he first went into that night, remember, he had really no idea how it was going to go. The whole reason why Aaron is there is because Moses is very mm, unconfident. He's very self, un, uh, yeah, uh, not, why do I want to say unconfident? That's not the word I want to, I want to use. He doesn't have self-confidence. He doesn't have self-confidence in who he is or what he was called to do. He's not sure of his, of his, uh, you know, uh, uh, of his destiny, of his purpose. He thinks that he might have missed it. Like he doesn't. He just lacks that self-confidence needed. And and so Aaron is there, and Aaron was a part of the night, and it turned out amazing. And in his mind, I'm sure he's so excited. He did, you know, it, it, it went it went better than could ever, he would have ever expected. He probably expected a few people to push back, a few people to be like, no, we're not into this. No, Moses, it's not your time. You tried this once before. We've heard about it. I mean, there's there's just a lot of ways that this could have went sideways, and it didn't. Like, it, it went straight out like an arrow. It blew through the darkness. It was filled with light and excitement. I mean, all that, all those years of struggling with his calling, uh, struggling with his leadership ability, wondering whether or not um, his skills were and and education were just basically a waste of time and a waste of effort because his timing was off and he misread what he should have done. I mean, forty years is a long time to. I'm not saying he wallowed in this day after day, but but he had it there. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with self-doubt or self-rejection or lack of confidence, but but you can go, you can be having a great day all the way along, and then somebody says something, and man, it hits that root, and it just you just you just collapse like internally, you just fall apart. 
I I have my trigger point, and man, when it's hit, oh, oh, I hate it because I know it's not true. Like I know who's who God's made me to be, and I know that lie that brings that self doubt isn't true. But it means it also means that it's still there because it. Dang it, you know, it got triggered again. And now I have to work my way out of it. And, and a lot of times I have to work my way out of it, like in the middle of a conversation, because what was said was not meant to do that to me, but it does. And then and then if I react out of that place, like then the whole conversation, the whole relationship is is put not necessarily in jeopardy, but it's going to, that at least that conversation is going to be jeopardized because suddenly I'm triggered and I'm reacting instead of responding, and so I have to do all this mental stuff, and then and then I have to respond out of the truth, and that's how we continue to beat down and kill the lie, but periodically that dang thing just still come right on up there, and it ruined my, ruined my, my moment, ruins the moment, puts a damper on things if you want to know. And I have no doubt that that happened to Moses a number of times during his 40 years in Midian. Whether it was something his wife said or his father-in-law said or his children said, it just, mm, he's not the leader. I'm not the leader I was supposed to be. I missed my opportunity. All my education is a waste of time. I mean, how many times do you think he was dealing with, with some shepherd who couldn't grasp, you know, basic concepts of math. And Moses is sitting there thinking, I used to literally write math curriculums. Like, I understand not only basic math, I understand quantum math. And here I am trying to trying to give this poor guy the basic math needed to understand reproduction, how long it takes and how often we can do it. Like, it's just, it had to be at times, you know, he had to walk away thinking, oh, I cannot, I, I, I wasted so much of my life. So all of that, right, all of that, I think was, was, was part of the night, part of what Moses was going through, just seeing the excitement, interacting with the elders, being completely accepted by them as their leader. And granted, Aaron was there, and God's plan was accepted as well. Like Aaron was accepted, God's plan was accepted. Everybody was just track a lacking. And and now they're going to see Pharaoh. Now this had to be prearranged. I don't, I mean, obviously Aaron has um uh, as a Levite, he has some level of of leverage. He can move about the city. He can move in and out of the country, evidently, or at least to the borderlands without escorts. He can he can set up appointments with the Pharaoh. And evidently he did, because it what what but what whatever that was, however however much time it took for that to occur is contained in that phrase, and afterwards Moses and Aaron went in. So he makes arrangements and everything's good and and um and and this this meeting is going to happen. And it says uh these meetings Oh, sorry. I I I have a side note. So these meetings with Pharaoh would probably happen periodically anyways between the Levites and the elders and Pharaoh. They would go 
uh, of Aaron was the high priest, so he would represent all of the religious leaders and probably a group of elders representing at least 12 elders representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And they would all go in and they would meet and they would present their grievances if they had them, if they would present new ideas, if they had them. And Pharaoh would take these opportunities usually to play along. I would imagine he, he would, he would, yeah, just play with them. He, he clearly could do what he wanted and that's what he liked. He liked to keep the servants serving. He liked to keep them down. He liked to embarrass them and make sure that, that they knew that he was in control and he might give them a little, take everything away and then give them a little something back so that again, they, you want to keep slaves in a hierarchy. Otherwise, Anybody might stand up and, and decide to take over. So you want to keep the hierarchy under your control, but you also don't want them them to lose their role at, in their hierarchy amongst their own slaves. So it's a it's a it's a political uh, intrigue, I guess, political strategies that are going on here all the time. So Pharaoh hears that that you know that Aaron wants a meeting and that the elders are coming and they're bringing with him. Um, Moses. And I'm sure he knew who Moses was, but he could care less. He just, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, he he probably had been briefed at some level that Moses had returned, that he was amongst his people again. Um, but as the Lord said, no one, no one who wanted you dead is alive. So, you know, it's he's just out there. Moses is considered a lone wolf a rejected leader. Uh, he's of no threat. Remember the whole the whole reason for not the whole reason, but but my conjecture re, conjectured reason, my guess was that was that they wanted to get rid of Moses because he posed a threat, the ability to to lead the Hebrews and Egyptians against the the hierarchy, and they didn't they didn't want that. So now he comes in. 40 years gone, nobody really cares, nobody knows him. He's he's never made a political um you know uh ploy uh, amongst the Midians. He never tried to unite the Midians against anybody. He never tried to take on a role outside of the Midianites. Like it's it's he's of no consequence. He became a shepherd. Uh he has no no one following him. He has his brother, an older brother. Who is, who is in a place of leadership, and Moses is using him as a mouthpiece. So Moses looks even more belittled in, in the Pharaoh's eyes. But for Moses, walking back into that palace like had to be a crazy whirlwind of thoughts and emotions. I mean, just use your sanctified imagination and put yourself in his shoes. Now, I know a lot of us would like to think, well, if God told me to do it, I would just stand right up to the Pharaoh and I would just tell him that my God has told me. Yeah, okay, great. You're you're the exception to the rule. You are amazing. Woohoo! Pat yourself on the back. I know for me, it'd be like going to a, a reunion where to a place where I'd gotten kicked out for murder. <laughs> That's... That's what I think of when I think of Moses walking in here. He's walking into a, cir- a cir- circumstance or, or to a, a facility, a throne room that he's very familiar with, right? He was very high up. 
in the system. He was a general, an ambassador, an advisor, an engineer. He was a gift from the gods. He was a prince. Like he was all of those things at the, you know, the last time that he kind of walked through here. Remember, after he killed the taskmaster, we don't know how many days it was, but he, it's not noted anyways that he ever went back to the palace after that. When he found out the next day that what he had done was known, he knew he had to leave. So he didn't get to see his grandfather. He didn't get to see his mother again. Well, our Egyptian mother. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think she's still, maybe she is still alive. Maybe he wonders if she'll be in the courtroom. It's, this is, these are a lot of things he's got to wonder. I mean, he's technically, theor- well, not technically, he's theoretically only been in the, 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 the country of Egypt now for a few days. And he doesn't know who is alive, who isn't alive. He also knows that as a foreigner, back in the day, he had a lot of enemies. He had a lot of suspicions around him, a lot of rumors all the time. He was battling what people thought and what they, what they wanted to do. He wasn't sure who was on his side, who wasn't on his side. And he's walking down these hallways again, and he's thinking, I don't, I don't know how this is going. I don't know how this is going to go. Like for me, I'd, I would probably have that same sensation of just before you throw up. I don't think I would throw up, but I'd have that sensation, like just constant, not just butterflies, but your stomach's just doing like roller coaster ride, like falling down that 700-foot drop straight down before the first, you know, uh, turn of the roller coaster. You just, you just have n- everything within you says this is this could end really badly. It shouldn't, but it could. Like God told me I had to do this. So it should be okay, but it could really go bad. God, you know, we had an amazing meeting last night, and I'm, I have tons of support and love, but it could all go really bad. He's walking down these hallways. He's looking at the, at the amazing lithographs, I think is what they're called, and, hi, and, and hieroglyphics. He knows all these portical, portic, porticles all these places very well. He knows the pillars. He knows the doorways. He probably sees places where he knows at one point his name was written, and now it's gone, erased from history. He sees the pillars that are, you know, carved with the history of Egypt, and he, and he's not on them, but he recognizes the others. He knows what's, what's carved there. I mean, I, I watch not watch. I guess I do watch. I, I I follow a lot of archaeologists on Instagram, and Egypt is one of the main places that you constantly see pictures of, and it's amazing what you find. Amazing what they have found. I, I haven't found anything, although I think it would be a lot of fun to go out someday. If anybody's headed to Egypt, let me know. <laughs> if, you, if you would like to pay for me to come along, I would love to join you. <laughs> I would just love it. I would love to walk these these roads and 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 feel that heat like Moses did. It it had to it had to be as exhilarating as it was uh, fearful. It it had to be what is that uh, what is that quote? Do you remember that quote from uh, the movie about the meteor? Armageddon. That movie, right? It's like 90% fear, 10% excitement. Like it, it, or, or maybe maybe it's 10% fear 90% maybe maybe it's you know you just don't know like you're literally flip-flopping the emotions are so intense 
you know, he he's he's walking closer. He walks as you know as as he gets closer. He's seeing the armed guards. He understands the weapons. He knows how to use the weapons. He's he sees the dress and the trappings of power. He sees the exaltation and arrogance that that the, that that power brings. He sees the trappings of it all. He understands the system. He understands the protocols. He knows where to walk and how to behave. He knows how to speak, even though he stutters. He 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 is as familiar with this as he is unfamiliar with it because it's new and it's 40 years later and he's not who he was and he's a much different man and yet he feels like he's in in his purpose and he's in his destiny and he's doing what God wants him to do like there's so much confidence on one end and so much fear and desperation and lack of confidence on the other end it it had to be phenomenal and they walk in and they see Pharaoh. Now, now tradition, tradition, tradition says this. It says that all the elders met with Aaron and Moses in their meeting spot, probably from the night before. And they walked with him all along the road toward the, toward the um, palace. And at the border of their city, of Ramses, the city, not Ramses, the pharaoh who comes later in time, but in that region of Ramses, I shouldn't say that. I don't. I forget the name of the city that he that they were in. But and that's my fault. I should have looked that up. But I didn't know I was going to say it, so I didn't look it up. But all along, anyways, along the border, about. Uh, tradition says about half the elders stopped and didn't go any further. And by the time they got to the palace, the other elders had also dropped off. So what started out as a large, you know, a group of, shall we say, 12, 13, 14 people was down to two by the time they went in to see Pharaoh. So they go in to meet Pharaoh, you know, Basically, Moses feels alone. I mean, it's just him and his brother. But there was a lot of energy, right? When you're in a group and you know you're accepted and loved and those people are going to back you and then they're not there to back you, even though you appreciate what they were doing, you kind of feel like they be, like they at least abandoned you, if not betrayed you. And that's that's kind of tough to deal with emotionally as he's walking into this palace. And, and they wouldn't have been one-on-one with Pharaoh. There would have been other court officials in the area, recorders. Um, there would have been probably an, uh, some sort of representation of the taskmasters and other power players within the government. They would have been aware that this meeting was going on. They probably wouldn't have cared much. They just more out of curiosity, like just keep an eye on things. Advisors, um, maybe a magician or two, just... just they're going to be around. So it's not like an empty courtroom. And when Pharaoh you know, permits them to speak, Aaron says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. <laughs> That's a great phrase, right? Let my people go. 
This is something that, again, preachers have loved to, you know, they love this part. Like, stand before the enemy and say, let my people go. And they've adapted this to all kinds of social justice uh, rallies and protests and and meeting spaces. They've said, let my, like, this is, this representation, the an application of Moses and Aaron staring, be, standing before the, the ruler of the, largest, most influential country of the day. So in essence, the world ruler standing in front of the, the one who was in, who has in charge of, or ex, he didn't exact, he didn't start the slavery, but who is now overseeing the enslavement of millions of innocent people, people who don't deserve to be slaves, people who didn't do anything to, you know, to become slaves. They weren't captured. They weren't beaten. They weren't, they weren't, uh, you know, bought, they were just acquired because they happened to be uh, immigrants that had come over the border, invited. I mean, they weren't necessarily there illegally, but they were immigrants. They had no other place to go, and now they're slaves to the nation. Like, the injustice of this is seen throughout the ages. And this phrase, let my people go, is rung through the ages. But in this context of our story, Aaron basically says, our God has told us, to tell you <laughs> to let us go. To hold a feast in the wilderness. Again, remember, now they're not, they're not asking to leave forever. They're not asking for uh, a lifting of all the requirements of slaves. They're asking, in essence, for a week off. Let my people go outside the borders of Egypt and hold a feast for me. To worship me. And Pharaoh said, who is this Lord that I should obey his voice or let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Now, all of this seems really odd, right? Because he does know their God. I mean, he, clearly he knows who they worship. They are the only, you know, their, their people are known for the fact that they only worship one God. Then they have their own priests and they have their own own holy script that they follow. They're, they, like, he knows this. He's not ignorant of this. They have their own weddings. They don't intermarry with other people because their God has told them to keep their line pure. He knows that they, you know, that they stay amongst themselves. It's like there's this phrase means something, and we're going to look into it. When he says, "Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice and let Israel go?" I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. He's implying this. Do you think your God is so powerful that I should obey Him? You see, you're, you're asking me for permission to leave because your God can't do anything without asking my permission. I don't know your God. I don't know your God because your God isn't powerful enough to even keep you from being slaves. If your God was that powerful, I would obey him. I should obey him. And yet, clearly, your God isn't that, that 
powerful because you're still here, slaves in my nation. I don't know this Elohim that you speak of. I know a lot of gods. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the one you worship is one of the ones that I'm aware of. But this name that you use, maybe he's a new one. And maybe I don't even really care. Maybe I really don't even want to know him. So I don't know your Lord. I don't think I need to know your Elohim. Because clearly if he had any power, if he had any authority, if he had any ability, you'd be free. And you're not. Now, this is interesting because I think a lot of times we Christians get accused of this, right? If your God's so big, why do bad things happen in the world? I mean, that's in essence why what Pharaoh's asking. He's like, why? I don't, I don't know this guy. Why would I know this guy? Why, why, would I, why would I obey his voice? I mean, it's, it's a fair question. From a, from a flawed perspective, but it's a fair question. If your God is so great, why are you here asking me permission? If your God's so great, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just trust him to take care of you? Why are you in my courtroom? My, my throne room, I should say. Why are you asking? I mean, honestly, a lot of Christians get this question as well, right? Well, if, if your God's so good... Why are you worried? If your God will take care of you, why are you trying to take care of yourself? And and it's it's a it's a complicated answer, right? Because we know that God doesn't do bad things. He doesn't cause the bad things to happen. Could he stop them? I mean, technically, does he have the power? Yes. Why doesn't he use it to stop the bad things? Because if he did, he would no longer be a loving God. He'd be a puppet master. And that's not what love does. You say, well, you know, what about the children? Does love let that happen to children? No, the enemy does that to the children. The enemy seeks to destroy people. Like you can't, you can't put that on God. These are, these are the results of choices that humans have made to follow after their selfishness and arrogance, to follow after their, their desire for, and lusts, to, to bring about war and destruction, to follow after the enemy's plan to destroy the image of God on earth, to so uh, not muddy the waters, but so um, dehumanize humans uh, and dis, disfigure the image of God on earth that God is is completely forgotten and, and left behind. So yes, they want to increase evil and increase the bad things that happen because they want God to be accused of things that he has nothing to do with. So why is Israel still enslaved here in Egypt? Because they've chosen not to leave. For years, they chose to give up freedom in order to save, stay safe and secure. Much like all of us have done many times, where we've chosen comfort and safety and security over the uh, 
opportunities to follow after and and do radical things for God here on earth. It's it's bizarre. It is. And yet here it is right here. It's not something new. It's not something that that you know we as Christians need to look at and say, wow, we have we suffer so much in comparison. No. These guys did the same thing. These guys did the same thing and in essence Pharaoh's Pharaoh's calling them on it. He's saying, why would I know your God and why should I obey him? Is this somebody new you're following? Is this a new name? You come up with a new name or is this a new God? I, I'm, I'm unsure what's going on here. I don't even know why I need to know them. I know hundreds of others. I don't need to know this one. So then they said, Aaron says, I'm sure Aaron and Moses talked for a few minutes because I'm sure Moses is thinking this, wait, this isn't going well. Well, I kind of knew that he might do this. God said he might do this, but last night was so powerful. Last night, I thought everything would turn out great. Last night, I thought for sure we would become, you know, uh, leaders of the nation and we would be walking out of here in a week. But, oh, they talked for a little bit. And then they said, the God of the Hebrews has, has met with us. Let us go, we pray thee. Three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or the sword. (laughs) So he says, uh, no, basically, all right, so I'm not going to send an, oh, yeah, yeah, Aaron says he's sorry my notes are upside down not upside down but i i'm not sure why i wrote this first so aaron reiterates the request right he re, he reiterates the request and he basically says listen our god might kill us in other words he's this is this is of course one a flawed view of god but secondly it's almost a threat to uh to pharaoh like if you don't let us go like we might become we may all become sick or we may die because we're not obeying our God. See, the Pharaoh's like, listen, I don't want to send a nation of slaves, which is the majority of our economic workforce, a group of refugees who have really no other loyalty to any country anywhere to do whatever it is they want three days out in the wilderness. I'm not going to do it. I'm not an idiot. It's not going to happen. And Aaron's like, well, if you don't let it happen, like God might kill us. Like he might get angry and, and and we'll all get sick and then we won't be able to work or we could be dead, which we won't ever work again. And I think Pharaoh backed, of course, by the officials of the room. He says to them, to Moses and to Aaron, let the people go from their work. I think, don't you guys have work to do? Don't you have chores? You you two should be, like, he looks at Aaron, like, aren't you like the high priest? Shouldn't you be out doing something? Why are you in here talking to me about something that is completely idiotic? I, this is not something I'm going to consider. You, you, honestly, think about what you're asking me. And in, in the name of a God that means nothing to me, and you're, you're telling me that your God's going to threaten you? And 
Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and you make them rest from their labors. He says, You make them rest. Look, look at the pathetic excuses for rest. And it and 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 you're trying to get it. You're trying to give these people a day off. You're trying to get them a week's vacation. You're looking for ways for them to not do what they're responsible to do in order to stay here. You're more lazy than I thought you were. You, you two are pathetic. And you're trying not to be responsible. That's, that's the other thing that he's indicating in these words. You're blaming this on God. I don't even know this God. You're trying to to shirk responsibility for what you're in here accusing me of doing, which is evidently not taking good enough care of you, not giving you enough time off from all of your labors. No, no, you two are lazy. Go back to your work. Go back to your chores. Go back to your burdens. No, it's, no, like basically this conversation's over. It's, it's really not even a conversation. This should have never taken place. So in that verse, right, Moses and Aaron leave. And at some level, they, they had to be thinking this couldn't have gone worse. This couldn't have gone worse. After what happened last night, I thought for sure, I thought for sure he would say yes. Like the momentum of the hope of heaven was within us. And maybe on their way out, they're thinking, if only the elders had come with us, if only they had supported us, if only they had seen that the whole nation is with us and with our request. We had such a great start. What's plan B? Oh, we, we don't, we, there, there's no plan B. What do you mean there's no plan B? Well, the plan is we basically we need to go back and ask again. Well, that, that doesn't sound like much of a plan, right? That doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun for anybody, especially after this meeting. Like somehow the next meeting is going to go better? No, this is, this, is, this is a bad, this is a long, long walk back down the tunnel, the hallway, the, the, the throne room, back through the courtyard, back out of the gates, into the streets where I imagine there's at least one or two elders. That's where they, you know, the last two kind of stayed at the gates of the palace. And then there's just this total rejection on Moses and Aaron. And maybe they're a little angry at Pharaoh and a little angry at themselves and a little angry at God for not coming through for them, for making them think that this would be easy, for making them think that their request was reasonable, for making them think that if they used and invoked the name of Yahweh, of Elohim, that people would, would you know, submit. I mean, I, I've seen, I'm, I'm pausing because I'm thinking of the times that I've you know, I've seen people cry out the name of Jesus like it was a magic wand. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. I'm just going to walk up to, you know, to my my boss and I'm going to say in the name of Jesus, let me go on vacation. And the boss says, yeah, I don't, yeah, uh, no, you're not going on vacation. But I said Jesus. <laughs> and I would imagine at some level... <laughs> They're like, but we said his name. We invoked his name. And the elders are like, but did you say it right? Like, did you, when did you say it? They, 
They walk all the way back, back to their city, and all the elders are now amongst them, and they're all discussing what happened and what was said, and they're evaluating it and picking it apart. And Moses is sitting there feeling, I'm sure, rejected again and and judged and belittled and humiliated and maybe curious it had to be it had to be a, a pretty tough day and again you know in their head it's like well, how, how could this get any worse and i i just still have this crazy thought that what if the 3 days of worship in the wilderness was not only to give egypt a picture of what a nation could look like when a, when they worship yahweh when they worship the god of the nations the lord of lords but what if the three days of worship was to break the bond that that the enemy had over that nation of Egypt? What if what if the three days of worship was to release such power and such blessing that Egypt would be protected from the plagues? What if God knew what the enemy was trying to do? What if his plan, what if God is so good, his plan isn't just for his people, but it's for all people? What if, his, what if God is so good that he not only wants his people to be protected, but he wants to protect the nation of Egypt as well? And what if three days of worship in the wilderness would have brought about a change in the atmospheric protection levels of, of Yahweh, and he would have been able to have access to the nation of Egypt, which had given access over to the enemy, and the enemy was seeking to kill and destroy that entire nation and bring it to its knees? And God said, I have a way out for everybody. Because to me, that sounds like God. A way out for everyone. An opportunity for all the world to be saved. That sounds like the God I know. That sounds like the God that that showed up in the New Testament. That sounds like the God, Jesus, that showed up in the burning bush. I have a rescue plan for all the nations. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, we get on with the, oh, man. All right. Well, it's already been long enough. We're going to hit the next verse next week on the Epic Narrative. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Don't go anywhere. We've got Bob Thoughts. All right. Going to do some Bob Thoughts. Just want to. I, I, I th- my thoughts went to the idea of division, how division keeps a slave population in slavery, and that mm, powers, governmental powers, religious powers, uh, monetary powers, look to make sure the people stay divided. If they can keep them divided, then they continue to win. It's it's the same thing. Um, it, I, I guess it's not the same. I mean, it is the same thing. I keep seeing it everywhere. I see it financially, right? People are divided, uh, especially, obviously, rich and poor. But even the middle class, they try to divide uh, based on credit and debt. And uh, whether or not that's a, you know, what's a value, what's not a value. In the area of real estate, they're always looking to divide. 
uh, in the area of race. Oh my gosh, right? How many different, and, and who tells us that we're not the same? Not, not Jesus. Jesus says we are all of one blood. He made us all of one blood. There's, there's literally no division. And as far as value goes, he's like, there is no male or female, no Greek or in Hebrew, no, like there's, there's no way to divide the children of, of God. And we are all children of God. There's no way to divide us from heaven's perspective. So mankind has divided everyone in order to keep power and keep finances and keep control over those, over the masses because they see themselves as better than or of greater value, their intelligence, their wealth, their um, leadership ability, they see it as a greater value than others. So therefore they keep, whoever they are, keep all the rest of us from really unifying. And and what's the unity gonna be around? Uh, And that's, you know, even that idea of unity comes, comes around and it divides us. Well, what are we going to unify around? Well, we should unify around social justice. We should unify around financial freedom. We should unify around um, equality of all things. We should unify around reparations. We should unify around... Uh, um, well, it doesn't matter. Sorry. I'm, I'm on the fly here. Uh, so... My encouragement, my thought is, for this week, don't let that happen. I believe one of the reasons why the Hebrews were still in Egypt is because the Egyptians, in their slow and steady oversight of that nation, the the slow and steady move from dominant uh, race in Egypt that the Hebrews were to one observant race in, in Egypt was a slowly divided and conquered, divide, 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 so that they weren't unified. Now, I do know that that's not a popular view, especially amongst Jewish people who have a vastly different view of their time there. But, but you listen to the epic narrative, you'll you'll get my view. I don't need to rehearse. I almost went down that little road and I was like, no, the Bob thoughts would be 45 minutes long. That's not what they're that's not what we're doing here. Do not allow yourself to be divided. Look for ways to unify. And don't even get divided over what you can unify over. Because the more we divide, the less freedom we have. The more the more slaved, enslaved we become. And man, religion is a huge, a huge place of enslavement. I mean, so many, so, uh, four and a half. All right, I'm going to do it. You, you look at like back in the day, way back, right? Uh, if a town, a city decided not to pay taxes, let's say, to a medieval king. Well, they would send in troops and they would extract it, right? But that's not an efficient way to run a government. It'll get you your money. But eventually the people rebel, you know, soldiers start to die, it starts getting costly. So what did they do? They partnered 
with the church, and I'm not saying all churches are evil, good grief, no. But generally speaking, they partnered, I say, let's say with the spirit of religion in the form of a church, and they sent those priests, pastors, reverends, bishops to those, to those villages. And they started to help the people see that paying taxes was a godly thing. Serving the church with your time and money was a godly thing. And if ever there was, a, there was trouble in the village, then the hierarchy of the religious system, the bishop or the district director or whatever would come in and say, this is, this is the rule and the people would have to comply. It's fascinating. And it goes all the way back to Jerusalem. You know, the, the palace guard, they were, they were, they were the mobsters of the, of the priests and, and uh, Sadducees. Uh, sorry, not Sadducees that run the temple. Anyways, it, it goes, it go, it's been around a long time. Religious mindset's been around a long time, but there are good churches and there are good people in churches and there are good people who run churches, but the vast majority of them, I believe, still divide, still divide, still divide. And that keeps people enslaved. And uh, we got to move against it. And it takes, a, it takes work and sacrifice. A lot of sacrifice. But those are thoughts for another day. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging out. <laughs> Have a good afternoon. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys. <laughs>